Hi there, and welcome to the Engage Employee Podcast. There is an irrefutable body of evidence which proves that organizations with engaged employees have more engaged customers and as a result gain long-term competitive advantage. The culture and commercial benefits of organizations taking a holistic view of their employee and customer engagement strategies are proven. For over a decade, we've helped some of the world's biggest brands engage with their workforce through our industry-leading conferences and online digital media. To find out more, visit engageemployee.com. Today, our podcast host and CX industry expert, Dave Darcy, is joined by executive career coach, Maya Grossman. Maya is a two-time VP of marketing, a best-selling author, and has worked for a wide range of leading companies in the industry, including Google and Microsoft. Her goal is to teach people how to build the bridge between where they are today and where they want to be in their wildest dreams, so they can achieve an exceptional career, which is what inspired her to set up the Maya Grossman Group. Hi, Maya. Thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm doing well, Dave. So excited to be chatting to to you today. Oh, good, good. I'm sure we'll have some some fun. Maya, perhaps the best place for us to start is um is for you just give us a little bit of an introduction to yourself um for for those that are listening. Yeah, of course. Hi, everyone. My name is Maya Grossman, and I am an executive career coach. I actually spent 15 years in the corporate world, going all the way from an individual contributor to a VP twice, when I realized, you know what, I can actually teach other people to do what I did. Because throughout my career, I've had so many employees and colleagues who struggled to level up. They had so much ambition. They wanted to do well at work, but they didn't know what to do. And I started giving advice until at some point I was like, wait a minute, maybe I should just do this all the time. So I ended up writing a book to explain how I did what I did and it became a bestseller. And that was when I realized, you know what, maybe this is a calling. So I quit my corporate job and I started coaching other people. And that's what I do today. I help high achievers level up in their careers, make quantum leaps and actually enjoy their nine to five. That's fascinating. I think it's a um, it's, it's put me on the back foot a little bit to learn that not only am I speaking to a twice VP um, career coach, but a best-selling author as well. Oh, there's nothing about it. It sounds so fancy, but writing a book, this is this is actually quite funny. Writing a book basically means you sit down in front of your laptop, you open a Word document, and you put words on it. That's it. It's not as sexy as it's meant to be. I didn't go into the forest and secluded for, you know, <laughs> five months. I I just use my spare time in the afternoon to try and write the stories of my life and my career to help other people. But thank Fantastic. you. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, it's excellent. It's really, really good. I, I know that we're often told everyone has a book in them. Um, I've often been told that I need to, to write one of, of my many anecdotes, but uh I just don't know that I'd know where to start. Perhaps now's the time. So, it definitely is. <laughs> but I think you make. I think you started there by making some really, really interesting points. I think that 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 whole piece about people wanting to advance in their career and climb that ladder, um, but often not really knowing how they do it. And we we have a, a, a comment that. that and some friends that we often refer to as that people get uh, promoted to their level of incompetence um, as a result of the fact that they climb the ladder, but they don't necessarily um, know um, how or why. And, and having that ability to coach and lead people, I think, is is really essential to, to facilitate that move, but also to help people understand that that isn't the last move. Yeah, I agree. I think here's where the problem starts. 
Our entire lives, we have been told, follow the rules to a T, you're going to get the reward, right? This is what your parents taught you. This is what school looks like. This is even what, you know, the university and college system looks like. If you do the work, you get the reward. So when we get to the workplace, we assume it's exactly the same. The problem is the workplace, unfortunately, is not a meritocracy. It's not just about how hard you work or how many hours you put in, especially when you start looking at those more senior roles, right? Early in your career, you can get away with doing more. I did that. I outworked everyone around me the first couple of years, and I slowly made progress, but then I got stuck. And the reason I got stuck is because I didn't realize what got me here is not going to get me there. When you want to make the leap into more senior roles, leadership role, executive roles, you need to understand it's not about doing, it's not about the work, it's about whether or not you can lead other people, you can think strategically, you can have impact. And for someone who's a high achiever, who have always been praised for doing more, for working hard, it is really hard to understand that you need to stop doing all of that and start doing something else if you actually want to grow your career. I, I, I couldn't agree more with you. I, I have, uh, in my previous employment, um, one of the comments I frequently made to people was that I had my success by surrounding myself with people who could do things that I couldn't. And, and it became apparent to me, um, and I'm going to steal some of the words of, of, of Simon Sinek here, but it became a, apparent to me that, I was no longer a doer. I was no longer a worker. I was, in fact, a leader. And that is a very different skill. And, you know, as, as we'll often see um, in the sports world, you know, the people who was the best player don't always make the best coaches or the best managers. And I think there's a lot of difference in there. So we're talking around it, but let's get to the, to the meat of it. Because uh, as I said before we started uh, talking, um, I'm actually in this place at the moment, in, in the, the, the very start of my next job search. Um, and so I'm really interested in, in getting free coaching from you as a virtue of hosting this podcast. But but let's start with it straight away. So so why is it so hard for, for somebody to break into that leadership role? Yeah, I think it starts with mindset. So just having that fear of failure and research actually shows that people are not able to rise above their own opinion of themselves. So unless you actually believe you can do it, if you don't trust yourself that you're going to figure it out, that's going to be a massive blocker. And to be fair, I would say 80% of my success came from having the right mindset. And maybe 20% was the actual execution. So I think the biggest gap for people, one, they don't understand what it means to level up. They think they need to work harder. They need to start working smarter. Number two, mindset. They don't believe they can do it. They're terrified of making a mistake. So they want to wait till they're ready. But if you'll wait to be ready, you'll wait forever. And I think people also don't understand that they can't do it alone. And what I mean by that is that you need help because when it comes to promotions and especially at the executive level, you need advocates. You need other people to sing your praise, to go to bat for you, because that's how you're going to be promoted, not just based on your merits and the work that you've done, but whether or not you can get other people to vouch for you. So I think those are probably the biggest blockers when it comes to leveling up. You've used the term leveling up a number of times. That really interests me. Um, Could you talk a little bit more about what we mean by leveling up? Yeah. So for me, when I say leveling up, I mean getting promoted. And 
For me, that means doing more senior work, having more and more impact. Sometimes that means leading more people and getting closer to the business and the bottom line. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions I see when I work with clients, when they think about a promotion, they think about themselves. But a promotion is actually not about you. A promotion is not a reward for you doing a good job. A promotion is a vote of confidence that you can do next level work for the company. And if you can realize that, you can change your entire strategy to think, how can I become more valuable? Because the more value you add, the more valuable you become. And once you flip that script and you change your mindset, you don't need to work harder. You don't need to put in more hours. You just need to know what to focus on to demonstrate that you're going to add more value if you get promoted, because then it's a no brainer for the company, right? Who wouldn't want to promote you if they get more out of it? For sure. For sure. And, and you know, that's, that's outlining some of the challenges we took. You've talked about the fact that. Yeah, people don't necessarily understand that it's not about working harder, it's about working smarter and so on. What steps can people take to overcome those obstacles? Yeah, well, first of all, listening to this podcast so they know what's actually blocking them. But one of the first things I tell people to do, and you're going to laugh because you literally told me that this is what you've done before. Step number one is talk to people who have the job you want to have. It sounds so simple. And I give this advice all the time and 95% of people ignore it. But I got every single role in my career by talking to people who have the job I wanted to have. Because that way, I learned what good looks like. I understood what my gaps were. I built a network and a relationship with people who can open doors for me in the process. And I didn't have to guess. And look, I wish I could say companies are doing a great job in setting you up for success. I worked for two Fortune 500 companies. I worked for Microsoft and Google. Neither one of them, as much as they tried, were able to give me a real roadmap to success. They had something very vague, very general, very average, but I was moving faster and I wanted more. So I had to create it for myself. But then you ask yourself, but how do I know what it takes? And that's when you go and talk to people who have the job you want to have. It solves all of these problems. It's free, especially if you use LinkedIn. And trust me, the first thing people say when I tell them to do this is like, oh, who would want to talk to me? I'm no one. And the answer is people would love to talk to you because, again, it's not about you. You're reaching out to them to say, hey, you had an incredible career journey. I want to learn from you. That's a huge compliment. And people love sharing their stories, right? People yeah. love talking about themselves. So there's nothing to be worried about. You just need to get over that first obstacle and reach out. And from that point, you'll have so much more knowledge about what it takes so that now when you have the information, you can start taking action. I think that is such great advice. I think that you know, um, we've often heard the story of, of somebody who encounter a new person at a party, for example, and that new person talks for ages about themselves and then the people separate and the person who did all the talking turns to somebody else and goes, oh, that fella, he's so interested. And he's hardly said a word. He just let you talk about yourself. And I think it's great advice and uh, certainly I shall be following up. Um, after after we've done this this podcast, um, and looking through my LinkedIn and seeing who's up there at the top level roles that I've not spoken to, and, 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 and 
as you say, what's the worst thing that can happen? They can say no. Exactly, which is exactly where you are right now. Yeah. Yeah, what a great point. So I said at the start, this is a very personal thing to me right now because I'm, um, I was recently made redundant from a senior role. I need to find another role now. So what are the steps I could start taking now and our listeners could start taking now that have enabled them to get on this journey to that next leadership role? Well, if you're thinking about finding a job, you actually start with the same thing. So you need to have a strategy. You need to know exactly what you're aiming for. I think one of the biggest challenges is that people want options. They're like, oh, I can do so many things. I can do marketing and sales and product, and I can work for big companies and small companies. And they try to be everything to everyone. And if you've ever uh, been into marketing, you know that's the worst strategy in the world. You need to be very specific. You need to talk to a very niche audience. It's the same with your job search. You need to be the best candidate for that specific role, that specific company. Because here's the truth. You can actually be a 4 out of 10 candidate for one company and be a 10 out of 10 for a different company with the same skills and the same resume if you aim right. So step number one, what is the actual role that you're looking for? What is the title, level of seniority? What is the scope of work? What type of company do you want to work for? I know people want more, but more is actually going to get your value diluted. You want to be more focused. What I like to tell people to do is come up with a list of 30 to 50 companies you actually want to work for. And then go and talk to people in these companies who have the job you want to have so that you know what it takes. And that way you can evaluate what are the most important skills? How do they actually sound, these people, when they speak? How do they uh, express themselves? What do they focus on? Because that's going to give you signals as to what hiring managers are going to look for as well. Not to mention, in the process, you're building a killer network. I can't tell you how many times I practiced this process. And I had people at the end of the conversation tell me, oh, you know what? You know, it's been so great getting to know you. I think you'll be such a great fit. I actually have an opening in my team. Every single time. Every one of my clients who've used that, if you have enough conversations, one of them is going to end up this way. So I think that's probably where I would start. That's that's terrific advice. I think um, one of the things that's come to mind as you were talking there is early in my career, people used to say to me, if you want to climb up this ladder, um, you've got to learn to speak the language of the boardroom. Now, I think nowadays we less talk about that. We more talk about executive presence. What do we mean by executive presence? Oh, my God. It's such a myth. I think sometimes because of, you know, TV and movies, when we think executive presence, we think someone who's like super charismatic, owns the room, gets in, you know, wears the suit. But it's so unrealistic. In reality, first and foremost, executive presence is not something you're born with. It's a skill that you develop. But in essence, essence, what it means is that you know how to influence other people. That's it. It means that you can get other people to do things that you want them to do, not by terrorizing them, but actually by inspiring and empowering them. It's about knowing how to deliver your message and convince other people to do the project you want, to give you the budget. So it's more about how you 
deliver a message and tell a story than anything else. You've really opened my mind to, to um, something around um, that inspi- inspiration, that empowerment that, that a, a good, a, a real leader will give to, to the rest of their team. And, and um, you started earlier on and you were talking about um, the educational system and the fact that it's very much, you know, you follow a set path and it, and it has a, a prescribed outcome. Um, and of course, life, once we, we get into real world, it doesn't operate that way. Um, so I used to operate on the philosophy of saying to my teams, what would you do if it was your business? And, and, and actually, go and do what you'd do if it was your business. Because you know what? If you get it wrong, and it's a problem, we'll take the blame together. Because that's the way it goes. Um, and, uh, and also, and I don't know, and the reason I'm asking you this is because I guess I'm saying, you know, are these traits that are useful in the market or are these things that you would say to people hold back on? But um, my favourite saying is um, that, that uh, forgiveness is easier to get than permission. So <laughs> break the rules. Oh, my gosh. You're, you're speaking my language. So first and foremost, the way that I teach people to think about their careers, I tell them they need to be the CEO of their career. They need to stop thinking like an employee, start taking control and thinking like a CEO, And actually, in my book, I teach 10 soft skills because that's what's actually going to get you success in the workplace. And the first one is to have an owner mindset. And one of the first questions you need to ask yourself, what would I do if I was the CEO? So I think that was incredible instinct to teach your teams to think that way. And um, it just shows that great leadership is not about bossing people around. It's not about telling them what to do. It's about empowering them to unleash their own potential. That is what true leadership actually is. I agree completely. Um, yeah. And, and I, I think you were doing the right things. I think a lot of people just don't realize it. They don't realize they can do that. They think they just need to follow orders. And a lot of the time, you know, people think, oh, if I want to be a great employee, then I need to follow the rules. I need to keep my head down and wait for my turn. And I just need to say yes to everything. But if every employee did that, you know what would happen? We would still be in the previous era, okay, in the industrial era. The only reason we have, you know, startups and technology and AI and everything around it is because people dared to question the status quo because they wanted to innovate because they did things differently. So when people want to be more successful, especially in the early years, that's what I tell them to do. Speak up, give out your ideas, try to change the situation if it's not the best that it can be. Um, And I know it's scary. I know because we have been taught you need to follow the rules so that you get the rewards. So what I tell people to do is take one small step, tiny step, and you frame it so well. And this is something I learned from my manager at Microsoft. When I joined, you know, it's a huge company. I was a little bit overwhelmed and intimidated with all the senior people. And I was also very frustrated because I learned that inside of a big corporation, things take time and there's a lot of red tape and you need to get approvals. And I'm the kind of get shit done person. I'm like, I want to do it now. And he told me, don't worry, don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness. And if anything becomes a problem, blame me. So once again, great leadership. I'm going to have your back. Go do your thing. Yeah, completely. And it's not. I think it's fair to say that it's not the, the 
team members who aren't prepared to break the rules fault because as you quite rightly said that's the, the the lesson that we're taught throughout our childhood and adolescence throughout our education is follow the rules and this will be the outcome and um, it's amazing how many times i've heard people say um that's against the rules or it's above my pay grade it's like well who told you show me this rule book oh my gosh in that case i've been a troublemaker since the day I got into the workforce, I always have ideas. I always want to do things differently. I think maybe I just learned how to do it in a way that doesn't antagonize people, right? I don't tell them that they're stupid, that their idea is stupid. I always present it, you know, as an opportunity for growth. I ask questions. I lead with curiosity. And I think that has really helped me have that ability to influence people without really telling them what to do or bossing them around, but by showing them what they stand to gain if they actually follow my lead. I think it's an interesting point. Somebody told me once that nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible. Now, some things may be um, unpalatable or maybe far too expensive or maybe far too difficult, but it's all possible. Um, and, uh, and it's always enjoyable when somebody will come and tell you the reason why something won't work when you enlighten them very quickly to actual in actual fact what they've just told you is the obstacle we need to move to make it work it's so funny um i tell my clients all the time that they can achieve anything they want in their career and their lives and i'm the best proof because i shouldn't have a business i shouldn't have had two vp roles i shouldn't have had a high six figure salary i shouldn't have had any of that i was born in a little country uh, for a very average family, I didn't. I don't have an Ivy League MBA. I never had a massive network, but I had big dreams. And when every single person around me told me to dream smaller because my ambitions were like insane, you want to be the CMO of a Silicon Valley startup? You live on a different continent. What's wrong with you? But because I believe anything is possible, which is exactly what I teach, I followed my own guidelines. And I had a very clear vision. I built a strategy. Whenever things did not go to plan, I didn't just quit. I just changed my route a little bit, reconfigured what I need to do. And I tried again and again and again. And seven years after I had that dream, I finally got to California. I got my second VP role for a company worth half a billion dollars. I was married to the love of my life, which was not true when I had that big dream. And I now have the house that I've always dreamed of. So I shouldn't be here, but I made it a reality. And I think anyone else can do it. One of my favorite people, Tom Bilyeu, says, um, you can achieve anything you want as long as it does not defy the laws of physics. That's it. That, that's the bar. <laughs> Yeah, that's incredible. Do you know, you, you've reminded me, I, I did this very similar path that we've kind of traveled, but I, I, I recall back when I was 16, my, my mother, my late mother was, uh, very concerned that I had, to use her terms, uh, ideas above my station. And, um, and, uh, we had a, a family friend who was a very senior executive in one of the world's biggest hotel businesses. And, uh, and so my mum asked if he would talk to me. So I was sent, I was dispatched up the hill to his house for, for John to give me the calm down lecture. And you, know, you need to try and be a little bit less 
obvious to people, try and be a little bit more out, a little bit more subtle. And uh, so I got there and John sat me down and he said, this is the letter, this is what your mum wants me to talk to you about. So it took about 10 minutes telling me that. And then he said, uh, but in reality, shoot for the moon. And if you miss, you'll be amongst the stars. <laughs> and I just kind of thought, this guy's just given me permission. It's, you know, I didn't even ask for it. I don't have to come asking for forgiveness because he's just given me the permission already. And I think it's, it's so important that people do recognise that you know, nothing is above your pay, grade, your pay grade. Nothing is impossible. You can go for anything. Yeah. I mean, when you aim for average, you get average. If you try and follow the herd and just do what you're supposed to do, you will always only get what other people get. If you want to have an exceptional career in life, you need to do things differently. And I think anyone can do that. I don't think you need to wait for permission. And that's kind of my mission. To be honest, when I started my own business, I decided I want to help a million people design the career of their, uh, of their dreams. Because most of us have a life by default. I want people to have a life by design because I know what it looks like. I know how incredible it is. And I'm not talking about being a billionaire and having Lamborghinis. I'm talking about having a life that is fulfilling and exciting and that actually allows you to maximize your potential. That's it, because that is what will actually make you happy. So that's my goal. I think that's fascinating. I'm conscious of our time. Tell me before we end. Yeah, and, and tell me, I was going to say tell our listeners, but do you know what? Actually, it, it, this is for me. Yeah. So if you can give that one piece of advice for the person who's starting that executive uh, job search, what's that one piece of advice? I think the first piece of advice would be to believe the story that you're sharing. I have seen people with the best resumes get interviews at the best companies and tank them one after the other because they didn't believe in themselves. And if you do not believe in yourself, no one else will ever believe in you. So I think that's the first thing that you really need to come to terms with. Convince yourself that you are worthy, that you are ready. And if not, you're just going to figure it out. And once you have that, you'll have the confidence to conquer anything. I think that's that's brilliant, wasn't it? Was it uh, Richard Branson? I think said, "If somebody asks you to do something and you don't know how to do it, tell them yes, and then go and find out." Uh, I know that... you. It's how I did most of the things I've did in in my career and my life. I think people sometimes, you know, are just caught up in the "I need to be a hundred percent qualified." Hell no. I mean, don't go for a job that you're twenty percent qualified to do. The gap is a little too big. But I think anything above the 60 to 70%, you'll be fine. Otherwise, you'll be bored out of your mind within a couple of weeks. You need to have room for growth. Otherwise, it's pointless. I, I think you're absolutely right. I will share with you one other thing before we close, and that is because you, you've, you've inspired me to think about it. But um, uh, the, our friends uh, here at Engage, uh, who, of course, we're, we're doing this podcast for, um, Back earlier this year, I was asked if I would host one of their events and if I would do a talk on uh, on the subject of generative AI in the customer experience arena. And I said, yeah, of course I can do that. And the very first thing I did was go and look up what generative AI was. Uh, <laughs> I, I love I it. I think that's the lesson. <laughs> 100%. Maya, thank you so much for your time. This has been a fascinating conversation. Um, I, I may be coming back to bother you personally again, um, but a pleasure to talk to you and thank you so much for your insight. Likewise. Thank you for having me.